0: Well, hello there, top teachers. We are your hosts, Bridget Spackman.
1: And Michelle Ferre. And we're here to make your life easier by helping you master your time, organization, and productivity as a teacher.
0: Guys, we have another Q&A episode for all of you. We've compiled all of your questions on organization, and we're going to answer them in this episode.
1: But first, let's share a time-sucking hurdle, or TSH, from Kimberly. Kimberly says her TSH is, knowing I have a file on my computer, either on the hard drive or Google Drive, and not being able to find it because they aren't organized. Going between the two drives me crazy. I really like the pun that Kimberly included. (laughs) That was really funny. We are going to help you, Kimberly. Today's episode is all about organization, and we're going to talk about not only physical organization, but also digital organization.
0: Yeah, but before we jump into that, I just want to remind everyone that we did have another Q&A episode that I mentioned earlier, and that one's all on time management. So if you haven't already checked that episode out, it is episode 029. Definitely follow the link in the show notes um, just so that you can go and check out that episode and and see if your question was answered. Okay, so we're going to go ahead and jump right into our first question. So this question is from Mrs. Dennis underscore TW. The question is, Is what organization system do you have in your classroom that you are most proud of? Michelle, I'm curious. I think for me it would be all of the bins that I have
1: in my cabinets. This was a project that I started oh, probably my third year of teaching, I realized that I really needed to maximize my cabinet space. So I went to pretty much every big lots and dollar store and Home Depot that was near me and bought up all of their stirlight latch bins. They are plastic bins that have these little plastic pieces that kind of latch onto the side. So it keeps them nice and sturdy. And I remember I bought a ton of them and I put them all in front of our like opening door to our apartment and I took a picture and then Billy was at work and he saw it and he's like um, am I going to be able to come home because there is a wall of bins like blocking my entry into our apartment <laughs> but once I had all of that in place when I had to move classrooms it made it super easy they've held up for years and years and years and it just it makes me so happy every time I look at them what about you Bridget?
0: Yeah. I think the biggest one for me is going to be my 43 folder system. Y'all, I love this folder system. Like it is probably my Holy grail out of all of the organization systems that I have in my classroom. It's one that really has helped me stay so organized, um, and not have a clutter on my desk or, you know, in the random corners inside of my classroom. So hands down 43 folder system all the way. Yeah.
1: I do love your folder, 43 folder system. Yeah. Uh our next question comes from S. Johnson912. How long has it taken each of you to find the organizational style that fits your needs best?
0: I mean, have I found the organizational system that fits my <laughs> needs best? You know, what's interesting about this question is um, we kind of think, Oh hey, I'm gonna find this organization system and it's gonna fit me perfectly for the rest of my life. But I know that we have in previous episodes, Michelle talked a lot about seasons in life, and our seasons in life change. And it depends on you know the curriculum that you're teaching, um, the grade levels, the needs of your students, you know where you are in your life with kids or you know a husband or you know businesses. And I think you constantly have to evolve in organization systems. And I think there are some areas that work really well for me. Um, I know some of the things that work great are like my project, well, the things that we preach. It's just planning out projects. It's using a power list. It's chunking times in the day. And that really benefits me um, as a mom and as a teacher and as a businesswoman. What about you, Michelle? I wholeheartedly agree. I think that
1: your organizational system will shift. I would answer this more so from the kind of physical materials perspective in my classroom. I would say it took me about three years to really come up with a system that worked for me. I know my first year, I went out and bought all these random bins, and then they didn't fit in my cabinets or on my shelves. And the next year, I really streamlined it so that by the time I started my third year of teaching, I had a system that really worked. And the great thing is, I already mentioned, when I moved classrooms, all of those bins miraculously still fit in my cabinets, still fit on my shelves. like It worked perfectly. But like Bridget mentioned, there are these other aspects of organization and those sometimes have to shift depending on that season of life. So don't feel like once you find a system, you have to stick with it. It is okay to adjust. But at the same time, if something works, it works. Just keep it that way. You don't have to change it just for the sake of changing it.
0: Yeah. And just to add one more thing, um, I feel like for me, uh, and I know, I think I actually mentioned this to you a little while back. Um, I have started to purge and really like purge and really limit how much stuff I buy. And so I have just kind of recognized, you know what, I don't need all of the different tools. And so I've really tried to minimize my lifestyle and that has greatly impacted my organization. Okay, so moving on to the next question. Um, How This one is from actually Lola Dasher, my girl Lola. She always comes to all of my lives. I love her. Um, This question is, how to utilize a smaller classroom and stay organized? This is very ironic because
1: today on our walk, Bridget and I were talking about how people think we have really big classrooms. There is something about recording a room or a space on video that is very distorted. And so when we do our classroom vlogs, people think we have a huge classroom and we really don't. Especially, I know I have anywhere between 30 and 35 students in my class and you put all those desks in there, that space gets small pretty quickly. So I would say my best tips are to maximize the space that you do have. So I'm thinking about in your cabinets, make sure that the bins that you have take up a majority of the space and you would want to utilize bins that have lids so that you can stack them on top of each other and make sure you're getting all of the space on those shelves and then get creative with your space. I'm thinking about personally, I have border and things that I need to store. So I take a command hook and put it on the side of a cabinet and I connect a little binder clip onto the border and hang it there. Like use every little bit of space that you have and get creative. It doesn't have to be your typical way of organizing it. I know I've taken PVC pipe and I've used that to store all of my like rulers and meter sticks and things upright so that I can maximize that space. What about you, Bridget?
0: I would kind of go back to what I mentioned a little bit ago and say that less is more. <laughs> you, I, I think you really just kind of have to recognize, all right, I don't really have a huge space, so I need to not have as much stuff. I mean, think about, how, do you watch like to any of you out there, watch those little tiny homes episodes. It's like when people have like the little tiny homes. I love the tiny homes episodes. They're fantastic. But it really does make you think that, oh my gosh, these people are living in such little bitty homes. How do they make it work? Like how are they able to really find the space? And it's because they're utilizing every square inch, but they're being really smart about it. Um, Not to a point where it looks cluttered, but more so you have multiple functions for one little area. And so you have to kind of think of your classroom in that sense as well and and try to find furniture that's going to have multi-functions. Um, And at the end of the day, you have to really ask yourself, do I really need all this stuff? Like, is it really valuable? Is it really meaningful? Is it purposeful in my classroom? And if the answer is no, you just need to get rid of it. Of it.
1: You talking about all of the minimizing really got me thinking. And I'm saying this kind of sarcastically, but I'm also kind of not kidding. You should make friends with that one teacher in your school who's a hoarder, right? We all have that teacher who just has everything. And that way, if you're friends with them, when you need something, you go to them and they're going to have it, but you don't have to keep it in your room.
0: That is, that is, you know, what's really funny is that people would call me like the Mary Poppins because I would have like all of the things <laughs> like I could pull out a box and I'm like, oh, I, there's the stuff that you need. It's like right here inside of this little box and it's the containers of stuff. And um yeah, I mean, definitely make friends with somebody that you know that has all the stuff and then you don't have to have it. I like that. Yep.
1: Next question is from Mosaic in the Middle. Mm-hmm. And this is kind of along the same page. What can I do when I have very little wall space? I think my wall with the
0: most space is maybe five feet. You know what? That's, um, that is something that I can relate to a lot actually, because if you really look at my classroom, I have huge windows on one side of the wall. um, And then everything else is either a door or a cabinet. And let's just be real, like you don't really have a ton of space to be able to put anything up on a door and a cabinet. So I had to get very creative. And this was before I really started embracing technology because I I just could, I had, I struggled <laughs> for quite some time to embrace technology and utilize it in a way that was truly functional. Um, but before that, I actually, instead of putting up the anchor charts, I would take a picture of the anchor charts. And so I would have an anchor chart binder. And then those binders were designated by either of my classes. So I would have like an AM uh, ELA block, and then I had a PM ELA block. ELA block. And I would then print that anchor chart out on colored paper. And then I would make several copies of black and white versions of it. And then I would put it into a page protector in that binder. So if students needed to reference some some form of an anchor chart, they could always go back to that binder and be able to pull out those resources. They would take one of the black and white copies that was in the binder for them. And that was one way that really allowed me to not have so much stuff up in my classroom, but still have the resources available for my students because I did want it to be meaningful. I don't want to put up an anchored chart that I don't make with my students, but you know, I, I, so I really wanted to give them an opportunity to find the materials, but at the same time, not have the stuff on my wall.
1: I'm in a very similar boat. One whole wall of my classroom is all windows. And it's funny because one of my coworkers utilizes that space. She will actually use paper clips to attach papers and posters directly to the blinds that cover the windows. I can't do that because it it looks cluttered to me and it just doesn't vibe. However, I do something similar to Bridget. Instead of putting those anchor charts into a binder, although I love that idea, I will give my students a copy. So I kind of do this thing where I make digital copies of my anchor charts, and then I print them out two to a page so that they're small. And I give my students each one, and they glue it into their notebook. So their notebook almost becomes... A collection of notes and anchor charts that they can reference. I also have seen teachers use these plastic frames that come from IKEA. It's like a white rectangle, and you can take out the plastic pieces in the middle. Bridget's nodding. I yeah, think she knows what I'm talking about. I have about.
0: those. Yeah, I definitely have those in my classroom. Yeah, so
1: you can take those, take the plastic pieces out of the middle, and then use book rings and create almost like mini anchor charts for each table. And on the book rings, you can have the anchor chart so you can flip through them. And that way students can clearly see them. They're accessible, but they're not taking up a lot of wall space.
0: Yeah, I like that idea. All right. The next question is from Ashley.Zundl86. Oh, I hope I said that right. Uh, So the question is, how to organize teaching items in an apartment? I can't get into my school over the summer.
1: Ashley, I'm in the same boat. I have no access to my school over the summer whatsoever from the last day of school until our first day back, I can't get into my school. So I totally understand. And for my first three years of teaching, I was living in a very small apartment. Now, I will say, when I lived in that apartment, there were some spaces that you could like rent. They were like closets almost out in the main apartment area, and you could rent them as basically extra storage. And so my fiance and I actually rented one, so I could put some of my materials for teaching out there. But again, I know not everyone has option. I think this goes back to what Bridget was saying before, really minimizing what you have. I know when I moved and I switched from second grade to fourth grade, for the first year and a half, I held on to all of my second grade stuff. And I said, but what if I go back to second grade? And since then, I've gotten rid of it. Because the reality is, even if I did change grade levels again, which is bound to happen... I would end up wanting new things or the curriculum materials are going to change. There's no need for me to keep these materials. I will say the one thing I keep and don't get rid of are books, but I have a bin and I, you know, that way that bin, it doesn't look messy and I can just store it away wherever I have little bits of space. And that way I can hold on to the materials, but it doesn't look too cluttered.
0: Yeah, I like that idea. I will tell you to find a cart and just kind of put your items in that cart. I personally really like the Ikea carts or I think Target has them now, even Michaels. I feel like everywhere you go, you can find those three tiered carts. Uh, Find a cart and kind of organize your items within that cart. If it doesn't fit in the cart, then it needs to go somewhere else. But another really good idea is that if you are like me and you can't get in over the summer, but you like to collect things and like maybe you find something you think, oh, this is something I really wanna have in my classroom, maybe a book or manipulative or whatever it is, Have either like one of those, they're like the carts that have the wheels, but then it has like the little handle that you can travel back and forth with Um, or a box, a Sterilite box and have it inside of maybe your garage or find it in a closet and just kind of place everything that you collect over the summer into that box so that you don't forget it when you go back into your classroom and it doesn't clutter up your home.
1: I love those ideas. I'm actually using the cart right now for my like virtual teaching setup that I have for the fall. And I am using one of those big reusable grocery bags to house all of the stuff that I get that I will eventually take back into my classroom. The next question is from Pencils and Magic Wands. Our friend Ellie. we love her. Hey girl. She asks, any tips on how to get started with organizing in the middle of feeling overwhelmed to do it?
0: Listen, Marielle, I feel like I totally understand you because if you were to see my basement, I feel like I've been talking about this basement for the last year that we've, we've started this podcast, but... I my basement is a hot mess of kindergarten stuff. And so to be honest, I mean, some of the things that I would recommend to you are to kind of set up categories and only organize maybe those categories. Establish times, blocks of times that say, you know what, I'm only going to spend maybe about, you know, 20, 30 minutes, an hour, whatever it may be, and start going through things little by little by little. Um, I know for me, I went downstairs into my basement and the first thing I said was, I'm going to look through my books. So I went through, looked through all of the Kindergarten books that I had downstairs decided the ones that I wanted to keep and the ones that I wanted to put for a garage sale. Um, And then I'm going to go through all of the like artsy stuff that I still have that I didn't necessarily want to have in my classroom and I organized that. So you have to kind of make little categories for yourself, set aside that time, um, and just know that you're going to kind of get through it and get it organized at the end of the day, I feel like it's more than anything, it's holding yourself accountable to just doing it.
1: I think if you're feeling overwhelmed, it's either because it's such a big task that you don't want to sit down and work for hours upon hours, or because it's not a task you enjoy, therefore you have no motivation. So what I would say is, exactly what Bridget said, break it down. If it's a big task that's going to take you hours, break it down into like mini tasks that will only take 15 minutes. And if it's the motivation aspect, I would tell yourself either, look, I'm going to do just this small part, or maybe you set a timer and you say, I'm going to work for just 15 minutes and then I'm done. Most likely, once you actually start, your motivation will increase because you'll realize, hey, it actually feels good to start organizing this. So quick example, Billy and I were reorganizing our pantry the other day, and both of us were looking at it and we're like, Oh, I don't want to do this. And it's because it seemed so overwhelming. What we did is we said, All right, fine, let's just organize this bottom shelf today. That's all we're going to do. Well, what you know, it we organized that bottom shelf, and before you know it, we've taken everything out of the pantry and we're reorganizing the whole thing. Because once we started, it felt good. So if it's getting started, just pick one small task or set a timer for a small amount of time, get that done, and then your motivation will most likely increase.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Uh, Daniel underscore dad gum heels. <laughs> That's a funny one. (laughs) Sorry. Um, Asks, how do you maintain organization when tired? (laughs) Uh,
1: Discipline. I mean, that's really what it comes down to is you have to be disciplined. And you know that the, (laughs) Billy always says this, the juice is worth the squeeze, meaning that effort that you're going to put in is going to be worth it. And it's going to make you feel good. It's going to make you feel like your life is together. So you just have to do it even when you're tired. But I would also say building that habit when it's something that you do every single day or every single week. It becomes a habit, and then you don't even have to think about it. It doesn't matter if you're tired or not. But one other little tip, because I know we do have those days. Let's say you're sick, and you're like, no, I just can't manage to do this today. Fine. Then the next day, or whenever you're feeling better, set aside a block of time and say, you know what, I need to get back on track. Set a timer for 30 minutes and say, "Okay, I'm going to organize this space since I didn't do it the other day. And it's almost like hitting the reset button when you absolutely need to. That's a great one. All right, our next question is from Taylor Lee 77, Taylor underscore Lee 77. Taylor asks, how do you stay organized in the middle of the busy day? I find myself just having papers everywhere at the end of the day.
0: Wow, um, I think. It's this is so it relates a lot to what Michelle just said, and it's about having the discipline and having systems in place so that you're you kind of recognize that I just need to get it done. So when I first started, um, I have like a a paper filer on my desk and I put my turn like it's like my inbox and then every single day I tell myself I need to go through that inbox and I need to make sure that inbox is completely cleared out before I leave my classroom and I remember that there would be times I'm literally like packing up putting my backpack on and then I look over and I'm like dang it I did not take out the papers from the inbox and so I have to then either tell myself do I just leave and then have those papers in the morning or do I put my backpack down and do it? And a lot of the times I would put my backpack down and I would just get it done because I knew that that's something that I needed to be able to accomplish. On those days when you are so unbelievably busy, I find that if I stay all organized and I kind of just put it where it needs to go in the first place, I feel less stressed. My busy day doesn't become a ball of stress where I'm just anxious and overwhelmed. It's I feel like I've really like banged out the day and I've really handled it really well.
1: I think you hit the nail on the head. I was going to say, make sure you have a place for everything. Because if you have a place, you're going to automatically put the paper where it needs to go rather than letting it pile up on your desk. And if you find yourself constantly with papers on your desk, ask yourself, okay, what kind of papers are these? Can I create a location for them? I know personally, when I switched districts, one of the changes I had to make was create a space for papers my students wanted to redo. My old district did not have a redo policy, but with my new re- with my new district, our students can redo up to three assignments per subject area her marking period. So I have students oftentimes giving me papers that they want to redo, and I would just let them pile up on my desk because I didn't have a spot for them. So I actually ended up getting a bin, labeling it, redo papers, and then anytime a student handed me one, I could put it right there on the stack. My other tip I would add is to have your students help you. Little tasks that your students can do will help take a lot off of your plate. I'm thinking about when my students turn in all their papers to the turn-in bin. I would actually recruit a student to put them in alphabetical order, binder clip them, and then put them in my grade drawer. And that little task, which the students love to do, ended up saving me so much time so that at the end of the day, when I was ready to leave, my
0: turn-in bins were empty and the papers were already organized in my grade drawer. So our next question is going to be from our kitchen. I'm assuming that's how I say it. I think I got it right. So the question is, what is a good way to keep up with the flow of papers in and out?
1: Okay, I kind of just answered this one. I would say having a place for everything. Have a place for your students to turn in their papers. And that might be one bin or it might be multiple bins. I teach multiple blocks of students. So I have a separate bin for each block of students. And I mentioned binder clips. I have it color coded. So the color of the bin matches the color of the binder clip. And it makes it really easy for me to know who those papers belong to. And then I mentioned having drawers. So I have weekly drawers. So one for each day of the week. So I have a Wednesday drawer, Tuesday drawer Wednesday, so on. I think I just repeated the days. I don't know what I said. But regardless, you get the point. And then I also have a copy drawer for any papers that need to have copies made. I have a file drawer for papers that need to be filed. I have my grade drawer for papers that need to be graded. I have my box where students turn in papers that need to go to the office. I have a box for those redo papers. Like I create a spot to put everything. So I would just say make a list of all of those different categories of papers that you're getting. Have a spot to be able to put them and then create a system for keeping those papers going in and out. So like I said, have a student help you get all of those papers that have been turned in and move them to your grade drawer. Or once you've graded them, have a spot to be able to put them so that they can get handed back. Create that system that's going to work for you based on the papers that you have.
0: Yeah. And just to kind of add to that, I feel like right now is a time where so many districts and counties out there are going digital. Um, A lot of places are starting to get one-to-one devices just with the pandemic and just making sure that every kid has a device in their hands if something was to happen and we were to have to go back home again. So now is a better time than ever than Just to learn how to go digital with so many things, you know, meeting notes, take pictures of them, put them up on, you know, a notes app, whatever it might be, try to figure out how you can make it into a digital copy versus having the actual, you know, physical paper piece. But one of the things that I would tell you is to have an inbox. One simple inbox um, is something that I have to have. And all it is 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 a spot for me to put all the papers that I have to file through and really just kind of determine what do I need to do with it? What's the next action step for that paper? Um, I don't necessarily have a ton of papers that I grade or, you know, that I'm physically kind of going through because a lot of my things are online. So the papers that I do have are typically papers that I either need to sign, put down as reference, put into a kid's, you know, either cumulative folder or they're just personal folders. uh, And then I just kind of call it a day. And I do that at the end of every single day and to make sure that I'm completely organized for the next day. I love that. Now, this next question might be repetitive, but we can just add to it if needed. This
1: question is from Our Elementary Days. How do you organize copies
0: for the week weeks out? 43 folder system. It is phenomenal. Um, y'all, I feel like I tried everything. I tried to have like the days of the week, the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. I tried to have the like the, the drawers that people would use that you can buy for the Monday through Friday. And that just didn't work for me personally because I also like to plan out for multiple weeks in advance. I've done that since kindergarten. And a lot of the times I would find resources that I would really like. And it's like, I would stick it in the bin, but then it would get lost under all the other papers that I felt like I had. So what a 43 folder system, I'll explain it really quick. It's essentially hanging file folders that you would have into some side, some form of a, um, a drawer system you would have 43 folders. You would have 12 folders that would have Monday or January, February, uh, March, April, one for each month of the year. And then you would have 31 folders labeled one to 31 for 31 possible days that could happen in every single month. And so what you do is you have the current month folder up front, and then you have the days for that month behind it. And so as you go through the month, you take the folder out, you will, you know, kind of process any of the stuff that's inside of it, but then you place that folder behind February. Okay. So that way you constantly have an entire month that you're able to plan for, um, versus only being able to plan for one or two weeks out. So it's, it has absolutely changed my life. So I do
1: use those daily drawers that Bridget mentioned didn't work for her. And that's fine. Personally, I hate filing cabinets and file drawers. I cannot stand them. So I like drawers. I love me a good drawer. So what I do, I mentioned I have a drawer for each day of the week. So Monday through Friday. And then I used to have an extra drawer that was like next week copies, but I felt like that drawer was getting too full because it was holding five days worth of materials. So What I started doing this past year when I for once had my life together and actually started planning far in advance is I would have whatever papers I was using for that current week on the top. But then as I got my copies ready for the next week, I would just slide them underneath. So as I took out the papers on top, then the ones that were underneath are now at the top and they're ready to go for the following week. But I had my life together so much this year. I'm proud of myself. Give myself a little pat on the back, some kudos. I actually at times had copies for like three or four weeks out. I don't know how I did it, but somehow I did. And I couldn't put them in the drawer because then it was too full. So I actually ended up having a separate drawer. This is on one of those rolly carts. You know what I'm talking about where it has the drawers. And this was like a nice deep drawer. And I use that drawer to hold all of the extra copies for the weeks past so that basically after I would put the second week of copies into the weekly drawers, once the first week got used, I would go into the big deep drawer, get out the next set of copies, load them into the weekly drawers, and it just kind of became a system
0: that I repeated. I love that you and I are so similar and yet so different. Yeah, it works. I like it. I feel like it really helps you guys out out there. Like at least you're able to kind of hear multiple perspectives on how people utilize things. So Michelle and I don't do everything the same, guys. We think the same sometimes, even dress the same, but maybe not do everything the same. (laughs) Okay, the next question comes from Ms. Wolf Fifth. Uh, The question is, what methods do you use to organize the resources you used throughout the year?
1: Okay, I remember my first year of teaching, I didn't have a plan for this and all of a sudden I had all of these like task cards and little manipulative pieces that I was making and I went what the heck do I do with them now so my first year of teaching I had a lot of space on top of my cabinets so I ended up getting these I think they were called locker bins from the Dollar Tree they were these plastic bins they were open on top and I ended up getting one of those for each different unit mostly for math I don't know about you all but I feel like I have the most materials for math and And I had a bin for each math unit on top of my cabinets. I labeled them with the unit. The only bad thing is they got so dusty because they were just open bins. And of course, I didn't realize it till the end of the year. And I was like, okay, that's gross. What I have since adapted to using are drawers. I mentioned I love drawers. I have these sets of rainbow drawers that come from Michael's. Now, they were an investment. Okay, they were not cheap. But again, they're sturdy. They've held up for several years. They've held up with me moving classrooms. So even though it was pricey, I think it was worth it. I have a drawer for each math unit. Cause again, because I teach mostly math, that's what I feel like I have the most materials of. And I'm able to just slip them in the drawer. And then I have one drawer at the bottom that's for all of my like science materials. And that's just what has worked for me.
0: Um, so I think I've I've really evolved over the years, and I used to have a ton of binders in kindergarten, and y'all I really did love these binders. So in kindergarten, because I had a lot of different like crafts and um, little materials that I would use for like my small groups or for some of the like hands-on lessons, I had a binder for each unit. And then that unit also came with a bin. So it was like those Michelle, you might have to help me out. I feel like they, they're they not as big as the ones that I have in my in my office right now. She's probably looking at them because she knows exactly, she commented earlier about how they're not in numerical order. <laughs> but I, I had like a smaller version of that and it just allowed me to be able to put all the little manipulatives. I had puppets, like y'all, I had so much stuff <laughs> and that's how I really organized it and it worked for me then not necessarily now. Um, So now what I do is all my math stuff is actually organized online. Um, So I have it all digital and it's based off of the unit. So I have them in unit folders and then in lesson and skill folders. And then for my ELA things, those are some of the more, um, I have different little activities and things that I don't want to keep cutting out. So what I end up using is a bin that allows me to put file folders in and I kind of create my lessons and anything that is more like uh, the kids will end up moving or their activities and games, I place them inside of there and it just allows me to be able to, to have it nice and neat. But not all over the place. So basically, we have established
1: that Bridget loves file folders and I do. I love drawers. <laughs> I do. Yes, that is true. So this next question is from Brooke Ashley K.
0: Do you organize materials by month, unit, quarter, et cetera? Well, I feel like I pretty much answered that in the last one because in kindergarten, it was all based on unit. um, And I felt like my unit was actually by my month. (laughs) So I would have, um, and there were probably some more towards the spring where it was a little bit more broken up, um, but I would base it off of the unit. So we would have um, like our January unit was all about weather. And so we did all of the weather activities there. Um, Now, what I will typically do is still by unit. So I will have my reading and my math are all done by units. And same thing with my science and social studies. I kind of have them based off of just the unit itself. And then I have all of the standards that are listed with the materials behind it. Um, I really, really love this. And I recommend this to anyone out there that is kind of planning for activities or books or resources, whatever it may be. Grab a sheet of paper, a At the beginning of this unit, if it's the first time you're teaching it or you've taught it multiple times, but you never remember where you get anything, grab a piece of paper and write down the list of activities, the list of books, the list of websites, resources for that unit and put it right in the front of a binder. Or if you have it digitally, just somewhere where you know to access it every year, then that way you're not having to recreate the wheel when you go back to teach that unit again next year. I love that. So
1: I personally organize most of my materials by unit. I mentioned our math curriculum has units, and so that's how I organize the materials. But I will say I also have these page protectors with all of my I can statements, and those I organize by quarter. So I have all of my quarter one math I can can statements, all my quarter two math I can statements, and so on. So it really depends on what I'm organizing. For me, my curriculum It makes sense for me to organize it by unit because that's how the curriculum is organized. But for other things, it might make sense to do it by the quarter or the month. The real answer is there's not a right or wrong way to do it. It's just whatever works for you.
0: The next question is from Mrs. Foglasong. I hope I said that right. Why am I getting all the ones that I feel like I am constantly saying that with? Guys, I really do apologize if I don't say your names correctly. Those are really important to me, but it is sometimes pretty challenging to to read them. Um, So the next question is, how do you organize turned in work and work that you need to grade? Michelle is the queen at this take it over.
1: Yeah, I feel like I've already somewhat explained this, but I'll do the brief overview. So my students are completing their assignments. Over by my classroom door, I have turn-in bins. They are color-coded based on my block. So my block one students have one color, block two students have another color, and so on. Once they turn in their work there, I have a student who is responsible for going over to my desk where I have my color-coded binder clips. They're in little mini drawers and they're labeled. So like I have block one binder clips, block two binder clips. They will take it. And they will clip the papers after they put them in alphabetical order. And they will put them into my grade drawer. From there, I will grade them. And if I'm not going to grade it that day or the next day, I will take a sticky note and put it on the stack of papers with the date I want to have it graded by. After I grade it, which I usually go through and grade the papers first and then put them into my grade. online gradebook. I will take that stack of papers and put them in a different bin that's over by my door for graded work. That graded work will then get sorted into a file box. See, I do use files, Bridget. And the file box has basically a folder for every student and they're numbered so I can reuse them every year. I don't have to replace the student names. I will file them into that box and then those papers at the end of the week get stuffed into folders that my students take home. They're like their graded work folders and they have to get signed by, parent. And they bring the folder back and it all starts over again. (laughs) What about you, Bridget?
0: Uh, A lot of my things are going to be online. um, So I don't necessarily have Paper grades because we have to use our Schoology. That's our learner management system um, because it allows parents to be able to see the grades. They are able to see what kids turn in when they turn it in, and they're able to see any feedback that I'm I'm giving to the students. So um, we are highly recommended to utilize Schoology for pretty much everything. And over the course of the last two or three years, I've done a really good job at transitioning to having everything online. So I don't necessarily um, have a system for that. The only thing I will say and I guess this is a little bit of a system is that I don't really like waiting for Schoology because I have 78 kiddos that I'm constantly looking at and they're all in within one course. Sometimes going in through the grade book is really hard to kind of uh, navigate because you're waiting for loading times and it's just such a pain. So what I do instead is I actually have an Excel sheet um, and it's based off of unit. There goes the unit things again, um, but it's based on unit. And so I will put the kids names once they've gotten into that unit Um. And I will kind of check off whether they've completed an assignment within that Excel sheet. Um, So that's kind of my way to just see who's turned things in, who hasn't turned things in. But I usually get things graded um, by Friday. So I always have to have all my grades completed and turned in by Friday so that parents can go into Schoology and look. I love that you gave the digital perspective on that. The
1: next question comes from Hello Kitty 16 That one I can pronounce. What are some systems that you have used to deal with homework? Homework turn in.
0: So, you know what? I loved this system. This was not necessarily my system because I don't do homework. I have like a, a, a belief about homework and I don't typically I don't do it. I'm sorry. Everybody has their own opinions on it um, and I just don't do it. So here's kind of a system that I have always loved. And if I was to do it, this would be the system that I would follow. And this is from my internship teacher. So this is a long time ago. I was in third grade um, and I really liked the way that she did it. So what she would do is she would have a checklist for the week. So it would have all the kids names on the left hand side. And then at the very top, it would have the day of the week. So Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, right? she would have it in a little box at the front of her room. Um, and then as kids would enter, they would come in and they would just put their homework in. And then she had a student be able to take all the papers out and they just kind of went through and marked off who who turned in homework and who still did not turn in homework. So before the bell had even rung, like for everybody to kind of be in, she already had a pretty good idea of what kiddos she was missing homework fr- from. And so after the end announcements, Pledge of Allegiance, all of that, she would go through the list and say, so and so, you know, all of you don't have, these people don't have homework. If you don't have it turned in, then you're not going to, you have to have it done before recess. Um, I really like that because I felt like it was automatic. Here's who's done it and here who has not turned it in. Um, So you can constantly give that feedback to students. So I would probably do that. So I do give homework I agree with Bridget. I
1: wish I could not give homework, but unfortunately, that's not really an option for me. Now, when I do my homework, instead of it being nightly, we give our students a packet or, you know, like a worksheet, whatever it is, and they have the entire week to do it. So I'm only checking homework on Fridays or whatever the last day of the week is. Now, I do not have my students turn it in. Because I have multiple blocks of students, I'm sorry, but I'm not taking 90 packets of math homework for an entire week and great. No way. <laughs> so what I do on Fridays, my students know when they come in, they have some type of a warm-up or something that they are working on and they're expected to have their homework out on their desk. I come around and I just check it for completeness because that's all I really care about. I'm not checking it for You know, corrections or anything. I'm just checking to see if they completed it. I have a little clipboard I carry around just so I can document whether students did it or not, only so I can see patterns and, you know, all of that. But I check to see who's completed it. And then after they're done their warm-up, I will either put the answer key under the document camera so students can check their work, or I will ask students, hey, are there any specific questions you want to go over? We'll do those as a class. And then my students take it home. That's it. So I'm not having them turn it in because honestly, I don't want to have to deal with all of that paper. So that's just a system that works for me.
0: Next question is gonna be from Elizabeth Haler. And this question is, how do you organize student data in regards to formative assessments?
1: Okay. I'm going to share two different things. Number one is something called clipboard cruising. I have a clipboard with basically a chart. It has all my students' names on it. And then in the columns, I will put like the standard we're working on or the lesson or, you know, something along those lines. And as my students are working, whether they're working in a small group, working independently, I will be going around and observing them and making notes on my clipboard, whether I need to pull them for reteaching, maybe they just need some extension. Practice. Maybe they need some kind of an extension activity. They're ready to move on to the next thing. I will mark it on my clipboard. I've done it a few different ways. One way I've done it is with a one, two, three system. So one means this student needs reteaching. Two means they're doing pretty good. They just need some extra practice. And three means they're ready to move on to the next thing. And I always do it in pencil so I can go in and make adjustments as the students are making growth. And that's just a way for me to document how my students are progressing. Another system I use in terms of just encompassing all of their data is I actually have a Google Slides where every slide is for a different student. And on that slide, I have my student data sheet. It's basically a place for me to type in their grades for every marking period and every subject. So it's a chart and I just fill it in as we progress throughout the year. I can put all of their assessment scores. I can make notes. I can put their reading level. Like It's all in one place for each student. What I love about that is when I go to IEP meetings, because I typically, have the co-taught class. So I go to a lot of IEP meetings. All I have to do is print off that slide and I have all of my data ready to go for the meeting.
0: You called it clipboard cruising? Yeah, clipboard
1: cruising. Like you're cruising around the room with a clipboard.
0: Is that like a well-known thing?
1: I don't know. That's what I've always heard it called, at least at my current school.
0: I flipping love it. (laughs) Flipboard cruising. Oh my gosh, guys, it has a name. I do something incredibly similar. So I have a weekly like checklist that I basically will create with my, I can statements up at the very top. And so as I'm walking around, I do something very similar than the, from the one, two and three, but I use pluses and minuses. So a plus is for when they get it. A minus is for when they don't get it. And then I give a plus minus four. Eh, we're kind of sort of getting it. Um, But I will do that. Another really big thing that I have are (laughs) more file folders, guys. Surprise, surprise. But every single one of my students will have a filed folder. I have blue for math, green for ELA. And so within that file folder, I will maintain a lot of the formative assessments. We will have goal settings. We have a complete progression of the units and skills so that my students, like as we conference, we're able to sit down and kind of mark off which ones we've mastered and which ones we have not. Because we go, based off of standards-based grading, not not actual physical grades. So um, a lot of my formative assessments and my goal setting is all within that little folder. And I like this too, because like Michelle mentioned, I go to some IEP, GIP meetings, 504 meetings. I'm able to just take that folder and go to the meeting with it. And all of my information is right inside of it.
1: I love that. Now I'm going to challenge us, Bridget, for these next few questions. We're going to try to go rapid fire. We're going to try to give a very brief answer because this podcast is getting long. So the next question is from N. Hopkin What is the best way to organize
0: holiday decor slash activities? Have your students make it and then send it home. <laughs>
1: I love that. <laughs> you said rapid fire. No, I love that. Um, I have those big kind of stirlight tubs that I keep and I basically it's like here's all this stuff for the first half of the year, here's all the stuff for the second half. I store it in a cabinet. That's it.
0: Yeah, I don't keep any of that. Send it home. <laughs> okay. So the next question is from Maddie Pizzuti. I need classroom library organization tips. Ready, set, go. Okay. I use a labeling system
1: where every bin has a symbol on it, on the label, and then that same symbol gets labeled onto the book. So that way students are just matching those icons or those images. So the label on the book matches the label on the bin and it makes it super easy for students to find what they need. I have it in my TPT store if you all are interested.
0: Yeah, I have something very, very similar. Except I organize by genre, so um, I teach everything through genres, and so I have mine organized with little color labels, and um, the color matches the genre. The kids know where to put it back, and it's really pretty much an unorganized hot mess. But the kids and I, we get it, so it's fine. Next question from Miss Lisa
1: Jordan: How do you stay digitally organized? My files are all
0: over the place. I feel like this fits in with our TSH. Yeah, I think. I think really more than anything, you just need to sit down and just know that maybe it's on Mondays, on Wednesdays, Fridays, whatever it is, but you need to go through your digital files and make sure that you're getting those organized. Set up folders within folders within folders within folders.
1: I think this goes back to what we were saying about your desk area or your papers. You need a place for everything, which in the digital world means you need a folder for every file so that you can easily go in and find it. I say start with those broad categories. So for me, I have a folder for every subject I teach. I have a folder for my school and a folder for my personal files. Within each of those, I break it down more. So for my curriculum, I break it down by unit. And for my like school files, I break it down by like field trips and forms and data and all that kind of stuff. And I just make files or folders within folders within folders so that there is a place for everything.
0: I will say really fast that one of the biggest things that really helped me digitally is going to Google Drive and getting rid of my hard drives. Because when I kept my hard drives, I would have copies of different files all over the place. And it was a hot mess. And they were kind of renamed the same thing, but not the same thing. It was it was horrible. So when I went Google Drive, it was the best thing ever. Um, okay, the next question is from hell underscore chris underscore and it's how to organize things related to distance learning
1: all right i agree with bridget first of all that google drive is the way to go so when it comes to organizing things for distance learning it's pretty much all digital files so i created a another folder within Google Drive for distance learning. Within that folder, I created a folder for every subject. Within those folders, I created folders by the week. And that's only because this spring we were kind of thrown into it and I was literally doing things week by week. But very similar system to what I use for all of my other folder or all of my other yeah files folders. It's the same thing. I just created a new like what I'm calling a base folder for distance learning and then created new folders within there.
0: Yeah, I organized everything through units. So though that unit had a specific color, and so I would attach that color for the folder and for you know how you can add little dots to yes. documents and things like that. And like so I was able to add those labels to those documents so everything kind of just blended together and I knew exactly where to look. Next question is from E Callis 74. Tips
1: for organizing emails.
0: Ooh, I like it this one. Uh, zero go. You have to go email zero. You got to go inbox zero and completely create folders in your emails and organize all of your emails within that folder. So every single day I would go through my inbox. I would process every single one of them, whether it was something that I needed to delete, something that I needed to uh, respond to, I would respond to it. Um, and if I was waiting for something, I would always move it over. So I have so many options folders, so many folders, but it helps to keep me organized. I'm always able to find the emails when I need it.
1: Yep. Same thing. Have a place for it. And that means have a folder. And if you have emails that are not fitting into any of your folders, create a new folder. Like obviously there's a category you haven't included. Add to it so that everything has a place. And like Bridget said, try to keep that zero inbox, meaning you don't have any emails in your actual inbox.
0: All right, last question. Man, this rapid fire was fun. We should do these more often. <laughs> Fed120 says, you have videos or organized lists in Google Drive. How do you organize
1: hard copies? So I strategically put this question at the bottom because Bridget and I don't really like hard copies. Listen, we (laughs) We both have had those years where we put everything into binders and then I think we completely regretted it afterward. I know I did that my first year of teaching and it was a waste of money. It was a waste of time. Now we both try to keep everything as digital as possible. And if it's a paper copy and I don't have it digital, I'm going to scan it and create it into a PDF and store it digitally because I don't want the papers. You actually can use the notes app on your iPhone. I think you have to have the latest iOS, but you can actually insert an image. It will give you an option to scan a document. It will create it into a PDF and then you can put it into your drive. Now I will say the only binders I still have, because I don't have a filing cabinet at all, I only use binders. The only thing I have hard copies of are those copies of my I can statements, and that's only because I take it out of the binder and I display it on my board using hooks. Otherwise, I do not keep hard copies.
0: So I agree with Michelle. If I try to go as paperless as possible when it comes to anything, but I do know that I have certain activities, games, little resources that I will use for some of my lessons. And those I mentioned a little while back that I will place it inside of a bin. It's a rather large bin. It's one of the ones that you can actually stick file folders inside of. And I will organize it all within there. Um, And it just makes it so much easier for me to go and grab those resources and then be able to put them back immediately. And they're kind of portable so I can move them about my room without, you know, taking up too much space. So
1: that is it. Those are all of your organization questions answered. In another couple of episodes, we're going to be answering all of your productivity questions. So make sure you have subscribed to our podcast. Also, check out our website and stay up to date because we have some very exciting things coming in the next few weeks you're not going to want to miss it and while you're on our website make sure you submit your tsh we're starting to get into back to school season so we want to know what are your time sucking hurdles as we are starting
0: back to school and guys don't forget to leave a review over on itunes it really does help us out and be able to get our podcast to other teachers so that we can be able to get into the ears of so many others and really help them out so we would appreciate leaving a review Um, and until next time be timely stay organized and be productive. Bye-bye.
1: See ya.